0: Hi there, I'm Darren, the producer of the show. And I just wanted to quickly let you know that as always, this episode is brought to you by Digital Marketer Lab Elite. Lab Elite provides the best training for full stack marketers. To find out more and get access to your free trial, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash elite.
1: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic
0: Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns and I am really excited today because today's show is all about something I've always wondered. Through the three plus years that we've been doing this podcast, I've always wondered, what does Molly Pittman do all day? How does she create those amazing ads when she was running traffic for Digital Marketer and now through her own ad agency? And this is a recording from a training that she did just this past week on the day in the life or a day in the life of a media buyer and exactly how she splits up her day timestamping how she actually approaches creating brand new campaigns, how she does her audience research, how she uses the green, yellow, red system to turn off underperformers and scale up her budgets how she builds new ads and overlooks new strategy, as well as why she spends so much time on targeting research. And then she breaks for lunch in the middle of the day. So you'll find out what she eats for lunch, which is always important. But uh, And then in the afternoon, she tells you exactly what she does after her campaigns are launched, uh, integrating company meetings, Team meetings, perhaps customer meetings, as well as creative and ad copy that she reviews in the afternoon, as well as ad research, and then maybe some educational time at the end of the day. So, a really cool sort of day in the life of what she does, as well as a little bit of an, a backstory as to how she became who she is today. I don't think we've really actually heard this story too much. So, uh, really excited to get you guys to listen in on this private training that was done just this past week. So, Definitely take out your notepads and pens and your Evernote files and take some mad notes here because Molly Pittman's going to tell you all about a day in the life of a media buyer. So just as a reminder, have you registered for the shop.org conference in Las Vegas in September 12th through the 14th? Well, me and Molly have, as well as a couple other team members from the Tier 11 team. We will be there. We'll actually be recording a podcast live, as well as interviewing some of the awesome speakers that are there. So if you run an e-commerce store, or if you are in retail, or you're a media buyer just in general, definitely check out shop.org, and it's September 12th through the 14th in Las Vegas, Nevada. So but make sure when you do register that you use the Perpetual Traffic Discount Code When you are registering for the event. So that discount code is ListenShop18. ListenShop the number 18 and receive 20% off your registration. We'll see you at the show. So take it away, Molly.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, So I'm just going to start really quick with my story. This isn't something that I talk about a ton, but I've been learning recently a lot from other people's stories. Uh, So I just quickly want to tell you my story, how that relates to you guys, and then we're going to get into some cool tactical information that's going to help you learn more about traffic, but also it will help you manage a traffic person if that's something you're looking to do. I just turned 28 years old on Monday. And six years ago, I was a bartender in Kentucky, uh, which is pretty funny to look back on. I was born and raised in Kentucky. And during and after college, I actually worked for a bourbon distillery called Buffalo Trace. I thought that I really wanted to get into marketing around spirits, but I quickly realized it was an old school industry and I got bored quickly. But six years ago, 21, 22 years old, out there slinging drinks, and as of today, I've spent $12 million on Facebook ads, which is pretty crazy to look back and and think about. Now, I'm so lucky and grateful to get to travel the world speaking and educating people on how to do paid traffic in digital marketing. Now, I say this to show you how quickly things can change in six years. And I think that's the best part about this industry, digital marketing. This isn't something you have to go to school for and spend $150,000 over four years and get into a ton of debt. It's really not even possible to gain that much education to go to college for digital marketing in terms of the in-depth trainings that we do because this stuff changes so quickly and it hasn't been around that long. So I tell you this story and I tell you about my last six years, not to brag, but just to really explain to you guys how quickly this stuff can be learned, whether it's you that's wanting to learn this or whether you're wanting this for someone on your team. If you're willing to learn and implement, you can become a master in an art like paid traffic really, really quickly. And that's exciting for me. That is my passion to pass this down to more individuals. So back in September, 2012, this is sort of how I I got into this stuff. I started an internship at Idea Incubator with Ryan Dice. So I moved to Austin, Texas. I was bartending. I was selling bourbon and I was looking through Craigslist one day and there was this ridiculous ad for a paid marketing internship. Now I was a marketing major in college, but I went to a really small liberal arts school. I learned like, you know, the four Ps of marketing and the textbook marketing information, but I didn't even own a laptop at the time, which is pretty funny. So I respond to this Craigslist ad, which I later found out was written by Perry Belcher. Uh, If any of you guys know Perry, you can imagine how uh, enticing this internship posting was. And what was cool is that they openly said, hey, we're going to hire a certain number of people and whoever succeeds gets a full-time job. I was really looking to find where I fit in my career at this time. Uh, so this sounded like a great idea. Idea Incubator was a company owned by Ryan Dice, who's now the CEO and, and founder of Digital Marketer. And it was basically 10 to 15 random companies that he had started all meshed into one. So Digital Marketer was a part of that. I started as an intern, we were selling baby food and knives and backpacks and financial information and water filters, anything that uh, you could imagine. So I, I started this internship. So I was one of 12 interns that they hired at the same time. So I was really lucky to go through a few weeks of training from Ryan, from Perry, from Richard Lindner, from people who really helped start this industry, some of the first people out there doing it all 12 of us went through this internship program. And by the way, if you're a business owner and you're looking to hire, good talent, but you're looking for raw talent, maybe you don't want to pay for a specialist, paid internship programs are a great way to go if you're willing to put the time into it. It's going to attract go-getters, people that want to learn. uh, And it also gives you the flexibility to pick and choose and really set the expectations that whoever succeeds is going to get a full-time position. So they hired 12 interns. They put us into four groups of three, They taught us all of this stuff basically over a week or two, like here's digital marketing in a nutshell. I was like, what's a tripwire? What's a lead magnet? I'm trying to Google this stuff. In 2012, there's not much information online. But they basically split us into four groups and they tasked us to create digital marketing plans over the span of a few weeks for these fictitious brands that they were thinking about starting. They gave us really no direction. They just said, go and come back here and present these fictitious business plans to the company. So these business plans were for brands like Survival Life, which is now one of Ryan's most successful brands. But they were basically throwing ideas out to us and seeing who could do the research, right? Who understood people? Uh, So I knew nothing about digital marketing, but I could work my way around Google uh, and YouTube and ask the right questions so that I at least sounded like I knew uh, what I was talking about when we went to present these business plans. So we present these plans over the course of a few days, each group presents for a day, and then they picked four of us. And I think they were looking at who can do research, who picks up on this stuff quickly, who's a good team player, because we were working in groups. They were probably looking for public speakers because of digital marketer so I was lucky enough to be one of the four that were hired into full-time positions, which what I was really pumped about. I didn't know what that meant for me, but I knew that it meant I made it to the next round. I'm super competitive. I grew up playing soccer and tennis and running cross country. So, especially at 21, 22 years old, I was pretty pumped to get one of those four positions. So I was placed actually into one of Ryan's companies And that's when I was hired to work at a company called Digital Marketer. Uh, So my first task was to figure out organic social media. Back in 2012, that was a huge topic. There was a lot of organic social out there to get. So Ryan said, Molly, here are a bunch of courses, trainings, here are people to listen to, go try. Uh, So I started on the organic social stuff. It really got me familiar with Facebook and I started to love Facebook. I realized how powerful of a marketing tool it was. Um, I loved the data that you could get from Facebook. I loved how instantaneous it was. And really, within the first few days of starting to work in this job, even though it was just organic traffic, I was hooked. I knew that uh, this was going to be a part of my journey for a while. And over the next five years, I've been able to spend $12 million on Facebook ads, which is pretty crazy to look back at. That's a lot of money. But over the last five years, I've just been hooked. So last September, I actually left Digital Marketer as a full-time employee to start my own agency so that I can serve more businesses, uh, so that I can, you know, I, I figured I'm teaching business owners how to do this stuff. I need to learn how to do it on my own. So you guys might be wondering, okay, Molly, how can I get these results, right, or better results from paid traffic um, so that you can forex your business, right? The keys are hiring the right media buyers and making sure they receive the best training so that you can support and understand them along the way having the right traffic person on your team can be like turning a faucet on for your business, right? Traffic is so key. If you have the wrong person in this role or this person doesn't have the correct resources, whether that's money, time, or education, this could be a really big hole in your business right now. So whether you're looking to hire a media buyer or you have one on your team or are one yourself, you know, you may be wondering, how do I get those same results, Molly? So a lot of it comes down actually to your day-to-day. So I want to walk through what is the day-to-day of a high-performing media buyer look like. I've spec this out to show you basically what my day looked like at Digital Marketer when I was buying media. All right, so let's get into it, guys. I'm just going to quickly run through this day-to-day, give you a an overview, and then we're going to hop specifically into each category. And I'm going to show you tactical ways to implement this stuff. So when I was a digital marketer, when, when I was buying media, and honestly, I still follow this structure now for clients. The timing just looks a little bit different, but I always, always start my day checking campaign stats, right? So like 30 minutes in the morning, depending on how many campaigns you have running. This is really simple. In a minute, I'm going to show you a system for how to decide what to turn off, what to leave alone, what to scale. But this is the best place to start. Right. This is your. Hey, is everything okay? Right. Are there any fires that I need to put out today? Where do things stand? Right. This is your scoreboard. So pretty simple. The next thing that I always focus on is uh, really taking action from whatever those stats told me. So what ads do I need to turn off? What do I need to scale? And again, we'll talk about the process for this. So I also like doing this in the morning because I find that it's easier for Facebook to digest things like budget increases if it's done in the morning. If you scale a budget in the evening, it's not going to ruin your campaign, but Facebook just might have some trouble digesting that budget increase in such a short amount of time. So if you or your media buyer can check all of this first thing in the morning and uh, then make the necessary adjustments, it's going to give Facebook time to digest that increase in budget. So the next thing, Uh, That I always focus on is building new ads or strategy. So this is best for me because I am most awake in the morning. By the afternoon, I get a little brain foggy. So I always like to put build time in the morning. This would usually be an hour a day. For some of you guys, it might be 10 minutes. Uh, But basically, this hour is blocked off for building any new campaigns or coming up with ad strategy. Um, So as you'll see, the rest of the day is pretty tactical also. Uh, There's going to be some research involved. So whatever you decide on or whatever your media buyer decided on at the end of the previous day, this is a really good time to go in and make those adjustments to build a new campaign campaign. Or maybe to sit down and just sketch out a brand new campaign strategy from scratch. Most people's brains are most awake during this time. uh, So this has always worked best for me. Again, it's also great because if you're launching a new campaign, this can be done earlier in the morning versus later in the day for the same reasons I mentioned earlier. So the next thing I always focus on is targeting research. So you'll see how this really plays off of the last block of time, Uh, but if you guys have ever heard me teach Facebook ads, you know how passionate I am about targeting and the people that I see succeed, the media buyers that I really see succeed with Facebook ads are the ones that are willing to go deep they're willing to really get in it and really get into the psychology of their market and do the research and really figure out where their people are hiding. So I'm going to show you an example of how I I did this for a client a few weeks ago. This seems like a long time to spend on targeting research, but it's really not. And we'll go more into detail about why that is. Obviously lunch, you need a little bit of food um, unless you're fasting uh, and uh, that's totally up to you. The next, and again, this is really going to depend on your company setup and the need for this but early afternoons have always been great for me for meetings. So whether it's client meetings or team meetings, it allows you the morning to really have your creative time. But media buyers are nothing without collaboration, right? Media buyers are literally the last step in the marketing food chain. (laughs) Even though they can have the biggest effect, if the tech isn't right, if the offer isn't right, if the designs aren't great, if the copy isn't Written well, if the tracking isn't there, if customer service isn't notified, your media buying isn't going to be as effective. so i'm going to talk about how I really made sure I integrated myself as a media buyer into the rest of the company, and I think that's a reason that I was able to have success. The next is creative and or copy focus, so If you decided in the morning that you needed to develop a new strategy for ads, maybe you noticed that there was some um, ad fatigue and you needed to write some new copy. And the afternoon is a great time to do that, or at least it is for me, and especially around creatives. A lot of media buyers don't give their designers enough instruction when it comes to creatives and they're left with really pretty ads, but ads that don't work. So I want to talk about a system that I still use to this day with my designer to make sure we're actually getting Facebook ads or Google ads that that convert. The next is ad research and education. So... As we've been talking about, education's important, Facebook literally changes every day. I feel like my job um, is <laughs> as much as it is to run Facebook ads, I feel like a Facebook detective or a reporter, you know, not to create shiny object syndrome, but just to be in the know of the changes that are coming and to make sure I'm constantly looking at what other brands are doing. And I'm going to show you a new research method that I just created that's really helping me. Uh, continue my education uh, today. And then last but not least, check campaign stats before you leave do a little scaling if needed if there's a huge opportunity and start to plan for the next day so again guys all of this is within scale for your organization and I'm about to go through each in detail but I really hope this is helpful in terms of you guys starting to understand what my thought process is for not only new campaign creation but to continue to optimize these campaigns and to keep your traffic system going All right, so let's go back to the beginning of the morning, guys. So before you check stats, you first have to know what your success metrics are. So this is a huge mistake that I see business owners making, that I see media buyers making. We've set up campaigns, we're running this traffic, but everyone in the company has different ideas of what good and bad are. In your company, good and bad or success or failure or yellow, green, red that I'm going to show you, those should not be subjective conversations, right? You have to make sure that you as a media buyer know from the business owner, the CEO, whoever you're reporting to, you have to know what they want, right? And business owner, you have to tell your media buyer what you want and how you guys are going to track that. So the most common success metrics that you want to track, guys, depending on your business model and the first things that you're probably going to look at when you wake up in the morning, return on ad spend, right? That's why most of you guys showed up here. You want me to show you how to put a dollar into Facebook and make $2 back, right? So that's a success metric that you're probably tracking. CPA, so cost per acquisition of a customer, Uh, depending on your business model, that might be your goal. Cost per lead at Digital Marketer, that was a huge metric that we were looking at, really trying to build that email list, trying to get people to opt in for a lead magnet so we could sell them other products. You can also measure secondary metrics. So I don't recommend the metrics I'm about to cover being your primary success metrics. It's probably either going to be return on ad spend, CPA, CPL, or really all three. But if you're having trouble with those metrics or you're looking to inform those metrics, some secondary metrics that a media buyer might look at if they need to change in their ad campaigns might be things like cost per click, You might see that your cost per click is really, really high. Well, if your CPL is still within reason, don't freak out. Uh, But a high cost per click might tell you that your relevance score is low. So CPC is a great secondary metric to look at. Click-through rate, same thing, right? Great way to really tell yourself, is my offer something that the market wants? Do my copy and creative properly explain why my offer is something that the market wants? conversion rate on page. So this is a metric that people completely forget about until they go to optimize their landing page, whether it's an opt-in page or a sales page, pre-sell article, whatever. They increase that conversion rate from 10 to 20% and they suddenly see that their CPA was just cut in half right and usually the traffic person gets the credit then it's like who you know you 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 really were able to scale this campaign but actually the conversion rate on the page just increased so as the manager of a media buyer or as a media buyer please don't forget how important that conversion rate on pages so these are all secondary metrics that you guys are totally capable of tracking so it's really good like I said earlier to establish what's good or bad, right? And I've always used green, yellow, red um so that I know where things stand. I also think green, yellow, red just feels and sounds better than good, bad. <laughs> but basically the concept is really easy. So based off of the data that we just looked at to start our day. What campaign should we focus on today? What campaign should we focus on tomorrow? After you have a good idea of what needs your assistance or what needs to be scaled, you can then move into a period where you're actually taking action based off of the numbers that you see. So really turning off underperformers and scaling budgets. So you need to decide what is my success metric? Okay, now... How can I create a green, yellow, red for that, right? Uh, maybe you're trying to generate leads for under $5. So you decide anything over $5 is red. Anything between 4 and $5 is yellow. Anything under 4 is green, right? That's up for you to set up. But all of the green ad sets, I would scale the budget by 50% every three to five days. Yellow means you're in the caution area if we're trying to generate leads under a dollar ten and you're between ninety cents and a dollar ten, the ad set's still good, it's still generating leads for me, but I don't really want to scale the budget because I know if I do it's probably going to set me outside of that goal range that I'm looking for. so yellows leave them alone, let them do their things until they become red, so obviously anything that's red, you wanna spend this 30 minutes turning off the red, leaving the yellow alone, and simply scaling any of the green ones in budget You want to increase the budget by about 50% every three to five days. That's a real sweet spot that I've found that allows you to scale quickly enough that you can scale, but you're not scaling too quickly to where you're giving Facebook too much money to spend too quickly and they can't optimize. So that was 9 to 9.30, basically just turning off underperformers, leaving yellows alone and increasing the green. I've always loved green, yellow, red. Everybody can get behind it on your team. And again, it doesn't feel as though emotions are tied to it, right? That's a big thing. Media buyers, you've got to have a clear head. Um, you're spending a lot of money, usually someone else's money. It's a lot of responsibility and you've got to try to keep your emotions out of it. So something like this green, yellow, red system will allow you to do that. So that's the first hour and 15 minutes of the day. So in this next hour of the day, this is all about new creation, right? So whether you need to create new ad sets in a campaign, whether you need to build a new campaign altogether, whether you need to create strategy, you have to ask yourself, you know, what new needs to be built. And like I said, at this time, you're most alert. So let me show you a client campaign as an example of what could be built. But this was a campaign that I ran for a client a month or so ago that was really successful. And I know that I always learn best from looking over people's shoulders. So this is something that could be built um, in this amount of time. So just to give you a little backstory, my client created a free nine-day video series that sold physical products throughout the nine-day video series. So basically a, a nine-day video funnel, free education video series, one to 10 days are great ways to sell physical products. By the way, if you didn't know, they're obviously really good ways to sell info products, but leading with value first and then demonstrating your physical products throughout a free video funnel is really powerful in case you guys didn't know. I know there are a lot of e people here. So like I said earlier, my goal is to drive leads to this funnel for less than a $1.10 a lead. They knew that based off of past traffic, that's where they were going to get the certain amount of profitability that they wanted. The goal of this campaign was acquisition, right? We wanted to make our money back because there are plenty of other things that we can sell these people after they go through this funnel. So we ran these ads for two months. We ended with 175,000 leads for around a dollar eight apiece, uh, which I was really, really proud of. We spent 170,000 on ads, and this is what I'm about to break down for you guys. We made 237 thousand back in immediate revenue that's going up every day we acquired a little bit over a thousand new customers added one hundred fifty-seven thousand people to our email list and grew our retargeting audiences by four million so i tell you this just to show you what can be set up in a few hours of time can have a huge impact on your business you just have to make sure it's done in the right way so the structure of this campaign um and as most of you guys know With Facebook ads, the first thing they're going to ask you is what is your objective, right? They wanna make sure that they're giving you what you want. So for this campaign, I optimize for conversions because I'm getting them to opt in for this free video series. That's the first thing that I really need them to do also conversion campaigns are so good for opt-ins because you have enough people opting in that people that facebook really collects data on that custom conversion they know what that person looks like so you can see this was just a simple campaign one campaign um, i generated all of these leads inside of one conversion campaign so i started with 21 ad sets at hundred dollars a piece Now, you don't have to start with this many. This is where you get to decide how big you want your campaign to be. But I was given a test budget of $2,000 a day. So I split that into 21 ad sets at $100 a day. I do know that I spent $100 more than I was supposed to. Not that great at math, but that was the reason that I started with 21 ad sets. At $100 a piece, it gave me plenty of test budget. If you were only able to start with three ad sets at $10 a piece, that's okay. But just keep everything in scale as to what I'm showing you here. So each ad set contained six ads. Uh, So during this hour time in the morning, guys, basically what I'm doing is I'm getting the bones of this campaign laid out so that I can move on to the next step. But I'm spending this hour drawing out this campaign structure, usually on a notebook next to my computer, and I'm saying, okay, my objective is going to be conversions. I'm gonna have 21 ad sets, right? The only difference between those ad sets is going to be the targeting, which I'm about to show you guys. And okay, I'm going to have six ads, all the same identical ads within each ad set now i lay this out so that i now know what needs to be built and sometimes when i go to do the targeting research i realize there's only enough audience to target you know to have 10 ad sets or i find maybe i only need two ads we'll talk about that but i'm really trying to figure out the bones of the campaign that i'm wanting to build while my mind is fresh. And so that I know what I need to do the rest of the day. So after I understand that, I know what the offer is. I know that we're wanting to run ads to this video funnel. We're optimizing for conversions. I'm then going to go into my targeting research, which is my absolute favorite thing to do. You guys, so many people build awesome Facebook ad campaigns. They're great hooks, great creatives, but they put it in front of the wrong people and they fail. And then they either think no one wants my product or service or my ad copy and creative suck. And really what happened is that they didn't put the time in, needed the media buyer or whoever running the traffic to really figure out the targeting. I believe targeting, other than obviously your offer and what you're selling, is honestly the most important aspect of your ad campaign. It's one of the biggest failure proofs that I see. So during this hour, I'm spending time Researching new audiences for new ad campaigns. So, for example, if I'm in the mode of setting up this new campaign that we're talking about, I'm going to research out all of these new audiences. If maybe I'm not in a new build mode, but I'm in a scale mode, so I have a campaign that has a lot of green ad sets that I'm going to spend this time doing this same targeting research that I'm going to show you, but doing so to find more people like the ones that are already converting so that I can start to scale that way. So just making sure you spend at least this hour on research. Honestly, for some campaigns, like the ones you're going to see, I spent up to 10 hours on targeting research. This campaign, the size of it required me to spend a little bit of time. But again, everything is in proportion. So make sure you're spending at least an hour on this a day. So the best way to scale, like I said, is by showing ads that are already working to more people who are most like those converting. So I call that horizontal scaling. So increasing the budget for the green ads, like we talked about earlier, that's vertical scaling that can only get you so far. You can also spend this time to find new interest or lookalike audiences so that you can perform horizontal scaling to show these ads to more people like the ones that are already converting. So let's go back to my client's campaign, right? The 21 ad sets ranged from about half a million in audience size to 30 million in audience size. Now I've especially noticed over the past six months, Facebook's gotten a lot smarter in terms of their optimization abilities. I used to only recommend putting about a half a million to three million people in an audience. I now am seeing success with some audience sizes up to 30 million. So it's really up to your discretion as to the audience sizes you want to use. But I really, unless you're a local business, I wouldn't have an ad set with less than a half a million unless it's a retargeting audience or you're a local business. And I wouldn't have an ad set with more than 30 million people in it, or it's going to be too many that Facebook really can't optimize. So here's a lot of the 10 hours of research that I was talking about for you guys. Again, I was really trying to dive into this Christian market. And what you have inside of Facebook, when we hop quickly in here, and most of you guys know this, but what we have turn in terms of targeting options we have this thing called interest so audience insights most of you guys have probably heard of this but it's a tool here in business manager this is what i use to do all of my research most of you guys know about custom audiences you can retarget website visitors video viewers most of you know about lookalikes you can create lookalikes off of people who like your page people who visited your site all of those are great but i think In terms of cold traffic, where the real magic lies are these interests. I would go to say, no exaggeration, there are at least 5 million interests possible on the Facebook platform. Most people don't realize this because they click this open and they think that, no offense, Facebook, these like lame pre-populated categories here, most people think this is all that's available to them, right? So they're like, All right, I guess I'll target people who like chocolate. (laughs) And a lot of this is coming from third-party data sources that may or may not be super reliable. Now, interest, the beautiful thing is really you never know what's going to be an interest. Uh, All you can really do is start typing things in, right? So I have a client who uh, has products in the keto market. So you type in keto, you can target ketone and ketosis and cyclic ketogenic diet and ketone bodies and keto diet app and keto adapted. That's a new one. Um, And there are all of these different interests that you can start to target. But what most people are going to do is they're going to go in and do exactly what I'm doing right now. They're going to go in and type that big keyword. You know, if it's yoga, they're typing in yoga. If it's golf, they're typing in golf. And nothing wrong with that. This is a good way to start your research. But I'll start to type a few of these in, and I'll go to page likes. And I've got this sheet of paper, and I am just writing down everything that I can write down that might be relevant. So all of these are great. Low-carb, that's basically what keto is. Julian Bakery, they make a lot of gluten-free breads and things. Low-carbing, The Paleo Secret, all of these I would start to write down and I'm not only using audience insights guys, I'm also using Google. So I'm starting to research to discover where is this market hanging out? So what books, magazines, blogs, publications do they read? If you're trying to target dentists, what publications do they read, right? What are the dental blogs and magazines and books for the Christian faith? I mean, books, obviously, the Bible, right, Um, is is a book that, that that market reads. And so I started to type that in and things started to come up, right? But I wouldn't have started my search by typing in a Bible if I didn't really think about what is the book or the books that this market reads, right? And then I get Pray America, Crosswalk, God Today, My Bible, Kirk Cameron is an influencer, Proverbs 31, right? It just takes a little bit of digging here, guys, to try to write down um, as many of these interests as possible. What authority figures do they follow? So every market has an authority figure. Who is a leader that they're following? Who are your biggest competitors, right? Who else is competing for their attention, so even though we weren't selling with this this client, we're selling physical products. I was targeting different apps that give Bible verses and wallpapers and um, you know public speakers and Christian musicians because I know that that's where this market is hanging out. What tools do they use? Every market has tools that they use to practice whatever they're doing? What events do they attend? If you love something enough to show up and learn about it in person, you probably really love that thing. What are buzzwords in your market and how can you start typing those into audience insights? So after I find as many possible interests on my own, and write them down, I start using audience insights that I showed you guys. So you know, here were a few. Pure Flix is a Christian film company, Matthew West, Mandisa. These are um, influencers. I think they're both musicians. So I'm just starting to input these into audience insights to see if there's anything I missed. And there's always something that you missed. Um, I guarantee you, there you're always getting more information like this K-Love radio. I had no idea what that was. It's a huge radio station that Christians listen to. Um, so I'm just spending time really figuring out more about these people. You can see I have a hundred here, right? I think I was able to target almost 70 of these. So just because I sat down and started to do some research and started typing some of this into audience insights, I'm going through and validating, right? There are some of them, you need to make sure that you actually process what it is and make sure it's a good fit But there were a lot of things I had never heard of in my life that I never would have thought to type in to interest, right? You just never know what's going to be in that interest box that you can find, which is really exciting. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I would have never have thought to type that into interest. Um, So I'm really doing a lot of research here. Uh, like I said, our test budget was 2k a day, so I created 20 ad sets targeting the best interests I could find, and one re- um, that was just retargeting warm audiences. I- I've quit trying to aggregate them into like all the books in one ad set, all of the speakers in one ad set. I'm just going down my list and inputting interest until we have reached an audience size that I am happy with. Over half a million, sometimes I'll get to 15, 30 million, um, but this is more of an audience size play for me and I'm just creating new ad sets so that I can change the targeting. This is what's allowing us to launch with a really big campaign that we can scale. So. When I was a digital marketer, I came up with a concept called the ad grid. Basically, it's a way to set up ads so that you're defining the avatars that you're wanting to speak to and then different hooks here on the y-axis so that you can make sure you're speaking to the right avatar using the right hook, the right why, the reason that they want to take action. So, for example, Panda Planner is one of my clients. Mike is awesome. Mike's in blue ribbon. We were just there hanging out. And running ads for Panda Planner, which is a planner, right? Anyone could use a planner. So, you know, I could only go so far with doing uh, targeting around notebooks or people that like office supplies or people that are organized, you know, that was sort of low hanging fruit. From there, we had to establish avatars and really dive in there. So for Panda Planner, one of the avatars that's really successful is moms. So I did this entire targeting research process, but for moms, right? So all the mom blogs and associations and organizations and, you know, all the mom interests that we could target. I went in and fleshed that out completely. And then I'm looking at the ads more from an avatar specific way, right? So I have a separate campaign for Panda Planner, completely for moms, where I did pretty much the same thing that I just showed you. I'm just optimizing for them to purchase the planner. And I'm speaking specifically to that avatar. So really, guys, before we move on, the most important part of this campaign and your campaign in general is doing your research. And I feel like that's where people shine That's what's going to allow you to reach the avid part of the market. It's also really going to allow you to scale. So really, really important, whether that's you or your media buyer, to do the research. So just to give you guys an idea for this campaign that I created for my client i tested three copy variations and two creative variations so a huge 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 mistake i see people making is they are way 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 over testing their copy and creatives it's like they've got 16 ad different ads in an ad set because every ad image had to be a different color and their ad set budgets 10 bucks And they're wondering why none of their ads are getting reach. And the reason is that Facebook just literally cannot digest and show and truly test that amount of ads. So even for a test budget of $2,000 a day, I kept it really simple. Three copy variations, two creative variations. And you guys could use this exact model for any campaign that you're running. So the three copy variations, these are always my default straightforward promotion, right? What is this thing you're trying to get them to do? What is it? And why should they do what you're asking? Right? So I was asking them to sign up for a free video series. The copy was very simple. Here's why this relates to you straightforward promotion about the video series. The next one, leading with a huge benefit for end users and then a call to action. So this is similar to the last one. But instead of being straightforward about the offer, I'm leading with a huge benefit. This is going to speak to people who might be in a more positive mindset at that moment. This will speak to people who uh, just might really want that benefit. So whatever your offer, your product or service is, this is... Similar to the straightforward, we're just adding a huge benefit to the beginning. And then the last one is the opposite. So leading with a huge pain point. This is going to resonate more with people that might be in in a negative mindset, which at the moment, which happens to everyone or might be experiencing a certain pain point. So when your media buyer is just getting started, these are three great copy variations, no matter what you're running traffic to. Straightforward leading with huge benefit, leading with huge pain point, all leading back to the same call to action. So we had those three copy variations, and then two very simple creatives. The first was just a three minute, 22 second video ad recap of the video series. This actually did really, really well. So uh was just easily put together as a recap of the video series so they could see what they're getting into. We also tried a 15-second video slideshow of scenes from the video series. So I knew because the medium was video that we were trying to get them to consume, I probably wanted to lead with two video ads, slightly different, definitely in length. So we tested the two creatives and the three ad copies of variations. Surprisingly, guys, the winner was the straightforward copy with the three minute and 22 second video. I'm not sure why that was the case. It's not always the case across my different clients, so always test it. But actually I do know that this just picked up a ton of social proof. So the straightforward copy really spoke to this market. The video kept them entertained. You can see 56,000 shares, 7 million views, 8,000 comments. Social proof is the name of the game in Facebook ads now, guys. In case you didn't know, especially since relevance score was introduced, the more you can increase this social proof, the better your results are going to be. So for this campaign, the straightforward copy won. A little pro tip most people don't realize that when they duplicate the ad set it's duplicating all of the ads within that ad set and even though they look identical in terms of copy and creative to the previous ad set it's actually a completely new post id so within my 21 ad sets if i would have just duplicated all of them i would have had the same six ads they would have looked the same but my social proof that you just saw, my 56,000 shares would have been distributed across 20 different variations of this ad. That would have sucked. Um, I definitely wouldn't have gotten the results that I did. So a little pro tip, the first time you duplicate an ad set, just go write down the post IDs. You'll have the URL of the ad. You're gonna grab the last, I think, nine digits of that ad. Just put it in a little text doc, and when you go to duplicate, instead of this create ad, click use existing posts, insert post ID, and put that number in there. That will make sure that all ad sets are running traffic back to the same ads. It's going to keep your relevance score high. So next is ad research and education time. Towards the end of the day, you're more tired like I kind of am right now. It's why I keep saying weird words. Uh, But this is a great time to do research. So I get a lot of ideas for copy creative hooks from looking at what other brands are doing. So uh, Media Buyer, it, it can't all be... Work and setting up campaigns and pressing buttons. You do have to give yourself time to do some research, get some inspiration, right? There's creativity that goes into this job. So I'm not sure if many of you guys know this, but Facebook launched a new tab on all Facebook pages. You can go to info and ads. And what this allows you to do is actually see all of the active ads that that brand is currently running. This might be one of the best things that's happened to me in the last year because I have—I just have swipe files of screenshots I've taken of ads. And you guys know if you run Facebook ads, you see something in your newsfeed, you're trying to screenshot it before it leaves. Well, now you can just go to the page at any time and see what people are running. So this is a great time to go look at different brands outside of your market, get inspiration for copy, creative hooks. What are they doing that you could apply to your market? I don't like the saying all marketers are thieves because I think it has a bad connotation, but we all learn from each other. That's why you're here. So it's okay to go look at other brands. It's a great way to to spy and just to get ideas. Uh, you could even create your own swipe file or competitive analysis reports. I've got my cousin who's in college right now creating these for my clients. So, this one's 75 pages for Panda Planner that I was telling you guys about. It's just a Google Doc where he's gone in and looked at everyone that I'm targeting on Facebook, all the competitors that are selling notebooks, screenshotted everything that they're running he created a little synopsis here now i can just scroll through these reports and i'm educated without having to do the grunt work so you know this is something that your media buyer or someone on your team could absolutely do to just get those creative juices flowing with that new view info and ads tab on facebook pages obviously your traffic person must stay up to date this stuff changes uh, so the end of the day is a great time to go through a course listen to a podcast read a blog, however they like to consume information. Of course, I think my podcast, Perpetual Traffic, is a great way to stay up to date. Smart marketer, digital marketer, Justin Brooke, social media examiner, Mari Smith. Uh, There are a ton of people out there teaching different aspects of this stuff. So ask your person, who are you following right now? What are you reading? Oh, you're going through a course? When do you think you're gonna be finished with it, right? Make sure that them educating themselves themselves. And staying up to date is as important as the metrics that they're moving in your business. Uh, No brainer, you absolutely cannot be in this industry and refuse to continue to consume information. I'm still learning every single day. So you guys know how I feel about that. (laughs) Um, And then at the end of the day, guys, we just want to check in one more time, right? So check stats one more time at the end of the day, make sure there aren't any fires. Then it's time to quickly plan and set intentions for tomorrow. What do you want to do tomorrow? I'm always so much more successful when I lay out my day the night before. Any of the ad creative copy you worked on today, be ready tomorrow, you know? Is there gonna be something new that you need to launch tomorrow morning? These are questions I would ask myself, by the way, guys. Do you foresee any yellow campaigns fatiguing and needing your time tomorrow? Are there any new launches or offers rolling out in the business in the next few days or weeks that you need to plan for? You know, are you on pace and hitting your goals? The most important question that this person should be asking themselves, maybe there's a campaign doing really well that you have the opportunity to scale You know, before you clock out or at least plan to scale for your focus time the next day. So after I launched 21 ads conversion campaign, six ads in each ad set, I didn't touch anything for three full days. I never do you're usually going to get false positives or false negatives right out the bat because Facebook needs a bit of time to optimize. So always plan that into your test budget. 3 days, please let the campaign run for 3 days. So after 3 days and every morning thereafter, you know, I turned off any ad sets that were above our dollar 10 mark, you know, every 3 days I increased the budget of ad sets that were below the dollar actually uh, the 90 sit mark that we were talking about earlier. Whatever your green is, you wanna scale that by 50% in budget. So this is called vertical scaling. I was under a bit of a time crunch with this one. So I did under a, anything under a dollar was getting scaled every three days uh, by 50%. Every three days, I also created a new ad set with brand new targeting, right? So I'd go see what was working, use audience insights, create a new ad set to make sure I was also broadening the amount of people that we were targeting. So how did this look in the end? And I tell you this to just set expectations for you and your media buyer. So we finished with 38 ad sets, right? We started with 21, but we added a new one every three days. 13 never made it past the $100 test budget. 13, which I'm bad at math, that's somewhere around 20 to 30%, completely failed. They never were scaled, right? And I like to think I'm pretty good at this. So the failure rate on this stuff is high. If you have a perfect media buyer, they are not pushing themselves hard enough. You need to try new things and you need to fail. Eight made it to $200 a day. Eight made it to $300 a day. Five made it to $400 a day, two made it to $450 a day, and one made it to $500 a day. So you can see that really eight of them uh, were carrying the biggest load, right? Eight, about eight were green, <laughs> Eight were yellow and about eight were red and they failed. And that's pretty good numbers compared to my normal batting average. So, you know, don't hold your person necessarily to these standards. Every campaign is going to have uh, their own nuances, but it's always great to look back and say, wow, what did we learn? What worked? Uh, what didn't work? All right, guys. So, after that, uh, this is important, but disconnect, enjoy your evening honestly, most of my really good ideas come from when I'm not working, right? I'm outside in the mountains, or I'm talking to a friend, or I'm doing something creative. And I get that idea that I had been trying to force myself to come up with for days. So please, please balance. Um, Early in my career, I totally burned myself out. And it really stopped my creativity. It made me a bad media buyer. Uh, Don't do that to your person. Don't allow that to happen to yourself disconnect and rinse and repeat guys uh this is the life of a traffic person uh, which i'm really proud to be and it's pretty damn good i've had You know, the happiest years of my life, the past six years. And a lot of this comes down to getting to do this work. So traffic people are the lifeblood of your business. Without them, it's really hard to grow. It's really hard to achieve any kind of stability in your business because they are the ones uh, sending you leads and customers. And with the wrong one, you can really lose um, a lot of time and money. And with the wrong education um, and even the right person, you can lose a lot of money and, and time. So that's why Ezra and I decided to create um, a mentorship program that we're calling Train My Traffic Person. I'm really excited to tell you guys about this. So this is a 12-week, <laughs> I'll say that again, a 12-week mentorship and course where I actually train your traffic person to grow your business. So basically, I'm going to explain, um, here's exactly how I did this for Digital Marketer. Here's exactly how I do this for clients. Here's exactly how you replicate what I have done for your company, right? For your boss. Remember when I said earlier that Um, If your head is not on straight, (laughs) if you don't have a good relationship with yourself, um, it's going to be really hard to be a media buyer. And I've seen this happen and it might sound a little woo woo, but it's completely true. So in week one, we are really going to talk about how to think like a media buyer, right? Um, Not only in terms of how to focus on revenue and return on ad spend and, um, uh, you know, how to communicate with your boss, but also here's how to think like a media buyer. Here's how to not be scared of money. A lot of this is just wisdom that I feel really passionate about passing on to people. So we're only taking 50 people and we mean this for our first beta semester, of train my traffic person. Uh, The reason for this is we want this to be high touch. Uh, When we launch this again, it probably won't have as much of the mentor uh, coaching aspect as it does now. Um, So we just really wanted to start with 50, make sure that we really, you know, nail this, give as much value as possible, and, and change some lives. This course, when we relaunch it, will be 2,997, which I still think is pretty low for the amount of touch points in this course, guys. I mean, 50 people, 26 calls, and a Facebook group. But we we decided to cut that price down for this first beta group. So it's only $1,997 to enroll yourself or to enroll your traffic person into this course. And like I said, uh, we're taking the first 50 people. I think this price is an absolute no-brainer and I hope that you guys feel the same. So if you're ready to enroll and you're interested guys, head over to smartmarketer.com forward slash Molly. I got my own URL, that's pretty cool. Uh, So full access, please head over to smartmarketer.com forward slash Molly. I would love to have you guys sign up. So your traffic person will leave this course fully prepared to grow your business. They are going to have the tools. Not only will you see progress during the 12 weeks, you will see better results in your business if they do the work, right? Of course, all of this is up to them doing the work. And if they're not doing the work, I'm going to tell them that. But your person, your traffic person will leave this course fully prepared to grow your business, which I know is the end result that most of you guys are looking for smartmarketer.com forward slash molly full 30 day 100% money back guarantee if you guys aren't satisfied Um, this is something that I love about Ezra and one of the values that we share we're not going to keep your money if you don't like the course within the first 30 days so um, at least get in there and let your person give this a shot um, and see if this is right for them I hope you guys have an awesome week and we will see you again next Tuesday.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that training with Molly this week. I know I certainly did. Always good for even advanced media buyers to go back to the basics sometimes and and listen and learn from the masters like Molly. And we'll be listing all the resources that she mentioned in that training in the show notes. So just go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 163 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. Until next week, see ya.